Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Indie Reads Aloud. Today, we're going to be hearing a story written and read by Lauren Emily Whalen. This is so exciting to me. As I've mentioned before on the program, I love meeting new authors, and I love hearing new stories, and I hope you do too. So it's kind of the point of the program, right? Today, just in case anybody is listening and they have young people nearby, there is a listening uh, advisory today for strong language. So just to make you all aware of that before we begin. Lauren, Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. You're coming all the way from Chicago. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I keep saying I'm going to make a map and put push pins in it so that we can show everybody where all the authors come from. Love it. Super fun. So Lauren Emily Whalen is the author of three books for young adults, including Two Winters, which is a queer YA reimagining of Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. Lauren is a freelance writer, professional performer, and very amateur aerialist. That's like um, that circus nifty stuff, right? Yes, it is. Perfect. That's a tough word to say. (laughs) Um, She is also an unabashed devotee of the bard. She lives in Chicago with her cat, Versace, which is a great name for a cat, and an apartment full of books. For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see the nifty bookcase behind her. We're having so much. I love bookcases. So thanks, Lauren. Welcome, welcome. You're welcome. I do have to make one correction to my Amazon bio. Unfortunately, Versace has passed away. Um, She was 17 years old. So she she had had a good life. She had a very good life. And now um, the kitty that just ran past me is named Rosaline which is a Shakespeare character. It and is indeed. How nifty. Good for you. Yeah. I, once, I once had a dog named Hamlet. So Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just so we remind everybody, um, the book you're going to be reading today is called Take Her Down. Mm-hmm. It is a young adult, a young adult LGBTQ book, correct? Correct. Awesome. Um, I love opening up um, literature for all kinds of listeners and um, showing people that there, there's so much variety now in, in the writing world. So I'm really happy to be a safe place for the LGBTQ community. So, well, we appreciate it. Um, so the book you're going to be reading from today, Take Her Down, is a retelling of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. 
Yes, it is. Uh, stakes at uh, Augustus Magnet School are cutthroat. Scheming is creative, and loyalty is ever-changing. Overnight, Browen St. James goes from junior class queen to daughter of an imprisoned felon. And she lands in the care of her aunt and younger cousin Cass, a competitive cheerleader who Browen barely knows. Life gets worse when her ex-best friend, the always cool Jude Cuthbert, that's a tricky name, Cuthbert, ostracizes Browen from the queer social elite for dating All right, I'm going to break in. It's Bronwyn. 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 Mm-hmm. See? Diana, reading it for the first time out loud. You know, you read it over and over to yourself quietly. You don't know sure. how it sounds. Um, sure. So she um, is ostracized for when she dis- they discover that she's uh, dating a boy, Porter Kendrick, right? Mm-hmm. She and Jude are both running for student body president, and that means war. After Bronwyn, Porter, and Cass share a video of Jude in a compromising position, Jude suddenly goes missing. I wish I had dramatic music. Uh, no one has seen her for weeks, and it might be all Bronwyn's fault. Will Jude ever be found? Will Bronwyn finally have to reckon with what she's won? And what she's lost. This is great. This is like so wonderful Shakespeare-esque. I love this. This is all Julius Caesar all over the place. So much Thank fun. Thank you. I, I love when people help readers, especially younger readers, um, rediscover Shakespeare because I think his work is timeless. I agree. And I, I think it's a wonderful way for young people to become exposed to him by a retelling. So kudos to you for doing that. I'm really happy that you're doing that. Thank you. I am super excited to read, uh, to hear you read. Um, and then, uh, of course, I, it, I've i already put your book on my TBR pile. So. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so if you would, please, when you're ready, read aloud. Yes, absolutely. So I will be reading from chapter two of the book. The book is told from several different perspectives. Um, There's Bronwyn, her cousin Cass, her boyfriend Porter, Jude Cuthbert herself, and Antonia Marcus, who is Bronwyn's ex and later Jude's ex, and who is non-binary. So they use they, them pronouns. Um, In this chapter two, um, the conspiracy to take Jude down has just begun, even though it's a it's kind of been a little bit in the making and while you don't have to have read julius caesar to enjoy this book this is my take on the iconic line beware the ides of march which happens at the beginning of julius caesar when a soothsayer just randomly tells julius caesar beware the ides of march which of course is the date that julius caesar is murdered in the Roman. So I thought to myself while I was writing the book, how would I rewrite Beware the Ides of March today? Because it's such an iconic line. I'm like, some semblance of it has to be in this book. So this is what I came up with. We are at a high school party and Cass has been enlisted by her cousin Bronwyn to 
sort of mess with Jude Cuthbert's head. So here we go. Are you telling fortunes? Jude asked, turning her steely gaze to me and flipping her short, dark hair so I could see her fresh undercut. I took an ujjayi breath like my friend Morgan and I would do before competitions, in through the nose and exhaling through my closed mouth like Darth Vader. Even without her pantsuit, in skinny jeans and a She-Hulk tee, Jude Cuthbert radiated power. Opposite me, I saw my cousin tense. Bronwyn wanted to project that power too, but as Jude's long time also ran, she hadn't quite gotten the hang of it. That's where I came in. It's not fortunes, exactly. I willed the tremor out of my voice as I glanced up at Jude. Tarot reflects back what's going on with the individual, what they're dealing with. It's open to interpretation more than anything. I'm still learning. All of that was true. Practicing on your cousin and porter, Jude smirked, sweet. She could do you, Bronwyn said, standing up and pulling Porter with her. Cass does my readings all the time at home. She's really good at this. Even though we'd planned more or less this exact dialogue, her praise made me feel warm inside. I hoped it was real. Jude folded her arms across her small chest, tipped her chin up at Bronwyn. I know I'm going to win this election, Bronnie. I don't need your cousin's cards to tell me. Ronnie, what Jude used to call her, no one else was allowed to. Around us, the party chatter silenced. For a moment, Bronwyn didn't speak. Poor Porter looked like a deer in headlights. I willed my cousin not to back down. People like Jude think cheerleaders are stupid. Still, they have no idea how we learn to size each other up when we're too young to know what that even means. Who's been doing the most push-ups? Who can lift and throw the highest, flip over the most times in the air? Who will let a twisted ankle at practice take them down and who will win championship with a broken back? It's not too different from politics in that way. Then the fog on Bronwyn's face cleared and she shrugged. You do you, JC, she said to Jude. Come on, love, she murdered to Porter, kissing him right on the lips and leading him away. The look she gave me over her shoulder was brief, but the message was clear. Fuck her up. I gave the tiniest, most imperceptible nod. Ready? Okay. Sit, I said to Jude. The party volume resumed, the confrontation visibly over. I could almost hear everyone's sigh of relief, tinged with disappointment that there hadn't been actual bloodshed. I was on my own now, and I patted the spot in front of me. She plopped down, slinging an arm over the top of the couch, taking up all the space that Bronwyn and Porter had shared. Tell me something, Cass. Jude glanced over her shoulder, where Bronwyn and Porter were now holding cups, laughing about something. When do you think she's gonna break out of that phase? I concentrated on reassembling my deck. The edges were fast becoming soft and worn from use and felt comforting against my fingers. I think that's on my cousin, not me. I wasn't going to take the bait like I knew Jude wanted me to. I still didn't get why she took Bronwyn's relationship with a boy so personally. Then again, I'd barely been kissed and was still figuring out who and what I liked. At this point, I wasn't even sure who and what I didn't like, which mostly made me feel like even more of a freak. Kids at Augustus High knew exactly who they were and had since birth, it seemed. No margin of error, no room for gray areas. Got lonely. Jude was still looking at Bronwyn and Porter, now holding hands and having one of those couple conversations where you can tell they feel like they're the only people in the room, even when everyone's getting drunk around them. For a second, I saw the slightest tinge of hurt her face. 
It was gone so fast though. I might've hallucinated it. I was still getting used to parties. Anyway, she said, turning back to me, do your thing. I didn't dare look around for Bronwyn and Porter, but I knew wherever they, wherever they were, they were watching. If I pulled this off, I'd truly be one of the three. Okay, I handed Jude the deck of cards. Despite the high stakes, I was feeling a little more confident now that we were officially underway. I knew something the great Jude Cuthbert didn't. Shuffle these. Why don't you do it? She tipped her chin at me. Because this way your energy's in them and I can give you a more accurate reading, I explained. Shuffle, then cut the deck three times. Now Jude looked genuinely confused. Split it into three separate stacks, I clarified, and she nodded. Three stacks sat, be sat between me and Jude Cuthbert face down. Even if she lost interest now, these were the most words we'd ever exchanged. I would, I'm going to do a basic spread with you, I explained, wheels turning with what remained of the plan. You can do more elaborate ones like the Celtic cross, which would break down your entire situation. Around us, someone cranked up the bass and the floor started vibrating. I raised my voice to the level I usually only use for cheer. But this one is just three cards, your past, your present, and your future. I thought Jude would be rolling her eyes so over this hippy-dippy stuff, or at the very least smirking at the dumb sophomore who didn't belong at the cool people party and probably still smelled like the gym. Instead, Jude's eyes were dead serious as they gazed into mine. Personally, I never felt drawn in by Jude Cuthbert. Intimidated, sure, but I never got how she could pull all of Augustus high under her spell until that moment. Anyway, my voice cracked and I swallowed hard before trying again. I'm going to take one from each of the pile. Let's see what you're dealing with. Then she put her hand on mine. I wasn't expecting that. Hey, her voice was low, urgent. I had to lean in to make out the next part. Am I really going to win this? I looked for her telltale smirk, a joking light in her eyes. Played these words back in my head, hunting for sarcasm. Nothing. I know she's your cousin, Jude said hastily. I just, she trailed off and for the briefest moment I saw the same expression she'd worn when she watched Bronwyn kiss Porter. Not love struck, more lost, hurt. For the briefest possible moment, I questioned my own loyalty. Then I lifted my chin. In general, when you ask a question like that, you already know the answer. Yeah, I do, she said, grinning. The bravado was back. I had to refrain from rolling my eyes. Slowly and deliberately, I set out the three cards. I had to make this count. Three of swords, I said, tapping the first one. You've had heartbreak in your past. Maybe something recent? Jude rolled her eyes. This is high school, who hasn't? I could tell I was losing her. She tipped her chin to the next one. This is my present, huh? Seven of swords. I concentrated on the design. Four more than three, she cracked. So more heartbreak? I shook my head. More like deception, betrayal. This time I couldn't help but raise an eyebrow at Jude Cuthbert. Sound familiar? Her eyes slit. Your cousin did that to herself. Someone coughed and I looked up from our place on the couch. Apparently my little reading had drawn a crowd. The music wasn't even playing anymore. I thought about running, foregoing the stupid plan, quitting my campaign manager post, getting away from all of this. 
running suicides, doing full push-ups, crunching until my abs begged for mercy, all the conditioning that I hated, but I loved at the same time because it meant I got to be a part of something so much bigger than myself. Cheer. What was I doing here anyway? Then I saw Bronwyn and Porter near the back of the crowd. Bronwyn half smiled the way she'd done since we were toddlers. Porter gave me a discreet thumbs up like the dork he was, the dork who made my cousin a real person and not some unattainable goal. I turned back to Jude, gestured to the third card, her future. Thank God it's not the death card, right? She cracked, but I could hear a nervous tinge to her voice. I shrugged, focusing on the deck. Common misconception. The death card is more about new beginnings, but you do you. Then I focused on the card, took a deep breath, and I swear the teenage drunkards around me did the same. I leaned in, but made sure everyone could hear me. This is the tower, I told Jude. See how the lightning strikes it? I pointed out the exquisite illustration, ran my finger up and down the painstakingly rendered bolts. This one represents falling down collapse. I met her eyes. Ruin. Leaning back against the arm of the couch, I didn't break my gaze. But if the foundation's really bad, maybe the tower needs to... I gave her my best cheer smile and enunciated the next two words for all they were worth. Come down. Silence. Everyone was looking at Jude to see how the junior class's reigning power lesbian would react to the sophomore nobody telling her she was in for a world of hurt. Her face was unreadable. For a minute, I worried she'd lean across the cards and slap me. Instead, Jude burst out laughing. Screw this, she said, and screw you, cheer girl. Come on, Antonia, she said to Bronwyn's ex, who had somehow materialized by her side. With that, someone hit play and imagined dragons grooved their way around the room. Yikes. Cleared up my cards, then I elbowed my way to my cousin and her boyfriend, but before I could open my mouth and let loose the string of apologies, I was grabbed in a tight hug. You are a star, Bronwyn breathed in my ear before releasing me, hands still on my arm, keeping me close. Uh, Porter said, I'm pretty sure she just said, screw this, I said at the same time. Bronwyn shook her head. No, you scared her. Noticing both of us looking dumbfounded, she leaned in closer. Look, no one knows Jude Cuthbert better than I do. I saw her face. And when she protests that much, she trailed off before breaking into a full-on grin. You guys want to go to McDonald's? The warmth of approval flooded through my body, but I try not to look too ecstatic. I could use some nuggets, Porter. He nodded, then grinned at me, held out his hand for a low five. Good job, Cass. Bronwyn grinned at him. As we made our way through the door, Bronwyn glanced over at me. Seriously, Cass, you are a master at lying. All that stuff you made up about betrayal and coming down was amazing. I smiled. We made our way to Bronwyn's Jeep hit the drive-through, and then I begged off to bed, and the two of them went off to Bronwyn's bedroom to do God knows what. But I couldn't sleep. It hadn't, after all, gone according to plan. I was going to make it all up. No matter what cards you drew, no matter what her energy shuffled cut was actually telling me, I was supposed to spout a bunch of lies about how her downfall was coming. It's not like she or anyone at the party would know what the cards really meant. 
not exactly in the spirit of the tarot at all, but I figured this was for a good cause. Instead, I'd given her a real reading. I hadn't meant to. Those were the cards she had drawn, the ones that were supposed to reflect her situation. Heartbreak, betrayal, downfall. I didn't have the heart to tell Bronwyn and Porter that it was an actual real reading I didn't mean to give. Jude was scared, hopefully paranoid, and I messed with her in the way we wanted. In that way, the plan had worked. But now I couldn't sleep. What would happen to Jude Cuthbert? Even now, it's still hard to think about what I did. Thank you. Thank you. That was wonderful. Now I'm hooked. Oh, thank you. I am. I am absolutely hooked. This. This is going to be a fun book to read. Um, so tell me, what was your favorite part about writing this book? Well, um, a lot of things. I started writing the first draft in April of 2020. So. You know, we all remember what the world was like then. Absolutely, so, sure. Yeah, so it was something that kind of kept me going. I also really enjoyed learning about tarot because I had decided from the beginning that the character of Cass was not only going to be a cheerleader, but she was going to be really into tarot. And a friend of mine does read tarot cards. So I basically bought her coffee, picked her brain, and she helped me with, this is not the only tarot reading Cass does in the book. She does a couple of others. And she helped me figure out like what that would look like depending on the situation I wanted to convey. So it was a really cool learning experience. I love it when we get to do real life research for our novels, it's so much fun. Me too, me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I hope everybody goes out and picks up a copy of Take Her Down. If you read in the show notes, there'll be a link to Lauren Emily's website as well as her Amazon page for the book. Thanks again, and I hope you'll come back and read another time for us. I would love to. Excellent. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.